Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the Welcome to another episode of Oddcast, Movies, Music and Gaming. Um, and I'm here with Dan, as always. Hello, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. How have you been? Yeah, good. Still enjoying the lockdown. And, you know, it facilitates uh, my ability to engage uh, with researching episodes like this. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what's been really great is that they've just introduced... Uh, as you're, as you're listening to this, we record these a little bit beforehand. Uh, they've just introduced face masks, face masks into shop, which is a great move at this time because, um, you know, we're about six months in now. So uh, that's good that they've introduced that this early in the game. It's really good for um, any amateur bandits. <laughs> yeah, um, robbing banks and stuff. You'll, they, never, you'll never know. Exactly. How are they going to police that? Tell me that with police that's what that's what you'd hope but um yeah uh what, what have you been have you been watching anything doing anything i'm playing anything i've been intensively listening to wild beasts in preparation for this episode <laughs> and nothing else <laughs> unfortunately uh, dan started off by watching a lot of david attenborough documentaries <laughs> the sounds of the wild yeah i was like wild beasts <laughs> the mating calls of lions i'm gonna love this show uh, yeah, hey, what a disappointment it was to learn that they—it was the name, the farcical name of a group of men who decided to make some music together, um, and that's what this episode is about. 
Wild Beasts. So Wild Beasts, uh, why have you chosen this one? Um, well, it's actually quite funny, Dan, because I found, I know you're asking that question, and I found, <laughs> <laughs> I found a quote by the, um, the lead guy, uh, Hayden Thorpe, who's now a, a, a solo artist. He's gone off and done a solo career now, because I should say Wild Beasts have disbanded. Um, and it's, it's quite a, a nice uh, uh, solo career that he's, he's having so far. Um, it's all the piano-y, high-pitched stuff that you know of Wild Beasts, but just him. Um, and his, his quote is, I think what's becoming apparent is that people who've grown up with our music or spent a long time with it have always been the oddballs or different kinds of people. And I thought, well, isn't that perfect? Isn't that perfect for the oddcast and fellow oddballs where they're like, perfect. It's the, it's the perfect music for it. What do you think about that? It would be perfect if he wasn't lying through his teeth. <laughs> this was this beautiful music. Teeth. This was commercial, bland as fuck, and I'm glad they're dead. Well, they're dead. Well, that's you know, it's good to start on a positive, <laughs> on a positive note. <laughs> so on the other, on the other end of the spectrum, um, I'm a big fan of Wild Beasts, so I'm quite interested in. Uh, so much venom attached to it um but uh yeah for people that don't know give you a bit of background on who they are do you know what do you know about them dan if anything what do you know what do you (laughs) tell me what you know um i remember when they got signed to domino um because i had i had a promo single at one point like back then in the late noughties um and just hearing a bit about them and I think kind of they were in that group of bands that at that point I wasn't really that interested in uh, listening to, you know, the, the noughties kind of enemy type uh, mm-hmm. arty indie bands, you know, which we covered before. Um, some bands like Interpol, um, The Horrors. So all of that I kind of missed mm-hmm. out on. Um, so, yeah, I turned a blind eye to them. And then I didn't know any, I didn't hear anything else about them until you told me recently uh, they broke up. Because they've always been a band yeah. that I thought, oh, they're a new happening uh, group on the scene. I should check them out at some point. So it's a bit shocking to realise that their whole career has flashed before my eyes and they're gone. <laughs> Makes me feel terribly yeah. old. Yeah, been and, been and gone. Um, yeah, so I um, kind of started, well, I first heard, um, we'll go into it a little bit, but I first heard Assembly, which is one of their first um singles i think and i i remember hearing it and i can't remember what specifically it was but you know when like hmv used to throw in when you bought an album they used to throw in like a another cd which just had like i don't know like 20 songs on or whatever oh like a sampler bands. do you remember yeah. that like yeah. a sampler thing um and i believe i believe it was from i believe it was from that but it might have been like an enemy cover cd or something like that um and i didn't like it i'm gonna be honest um, and, uh, yeah, then when, um, I believe it was, uh, when I, when I come on to this as well, 
it was with two dancers where I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I went to see them live. And I think I saw them live uh, probably about six or seven times, which is quite a a fair amount. Um, Yeah. Um, In a few different places. And uh, I always uh, really liked it because it was, um, uh, I just enjoyed it. I know it's weird because it's one of those things where like a lot of the tracks, um, which I didn't really think were that great. When I heard them live, I was like, man, this is really rocking me. Um, so it was quite uh, interesting. But yes, it's a shame they broke up. But um, I can kind of see why when we come on to their last album. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a bit of background on, on who they actually are. So they formed in 2002 in Kendall, in Cumbria, which uh, the Americans out there is in England. Home <laughs> of Mint Cake. The United Kingdom. Is it? Kendall Mint Cake, yeah. If you're planning on doing any uh, hiking, you might want to go via Kendall and stock up pay on your mint cake to the birthplace of <laughs> as well. Um, and yeah, so they've released five studio albums: uh, Limbo Panto in 2008, Two Dancers in 2009, Smother in 2011, Present Tense in 2014, and Boy King in 2016. Um, Boy King got to number nine in the charts, so it was their most successful, I believe, um, in UK charts anyway. And yeah, but Two Dancers um, was nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. For people that don't know, it's quite a prestigious um, annual thing where like the idea is that if you get nominated for a Mercury Music Award, you've all won, but there is actually just one winner who kind of takes home um, the prize, even though the prize isn't actually that great. It's more about like cred. They're generally seen, how would you describe it, Dan? They're generally seen as quite like um, muso kind of bands, but like still a bit mainstream, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. It just kind of fits in. Yeah, I mean, a a lot of, a lot of these days, they they try and take it, try and keep it quite diverse as well. So it used to be like a bit more indie, I would say, but now it's kind of, a lot of the winners the last few years have been like grime artists or rappers and stuff like that, um, if I remember rightly. Uh, it's whatever's in, uh, you know, in the media at the time. I think it, you know, all the bands come from major labels, um, mm-hmm. or you know, or like you know, Domino, which at this point in time, you know, to all intents and purposes, is a major label, even though it started as an indie. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's the Guardian Readers Award for music. Yeah, it's it's like, it's like critic darlings, um, but still kind of mainstream. Basically, um, yeah. they still um, got some major release behind them, but. Like you say, everyone that's nominated gets a nice Mercury sticker on the front of their CDs and uh, a nice mm. big upswing in sales, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it was a, it was obviously a bigger deal back then than it was now. But like Idols were for um, Joy, um, uh, the last album, I can't remember, but Joy is a Discovery of Invention or whatever, but that's, I'm thinking Joy, Discovery, Invention, Biffy Clyro, which is completely not the right thing. Um, that was nominated, for instance, and they did a, they performed awfully. <laughs> they performed... Um, uh oh god what track is it um i'm gonna absolutely i never fight a man with a perm on the uh, award show yeah and it was dreadful it's really bad <laughs> so it's just like you know when it's like a band are trying to go like crazy and like look we're so cool but we've been acting crazy like every oh, night no. on our tour for like so long and they're all like dancing up and down and like jumping around but it's just people on tables <laughs> just watching them and you can tell it they're like feeling a bit awkward about it, but still yeah. realise they have to like give a performance. And um, yeah, it just fell really flat. And the, I don't know, it just didn't really, I think they were just out of their depth at something like that. Painful. Um, 
Yeah, it was a bit weird. So that's the American Music Awards. So yeah, Two Dancers was nominated for one of those. It's quite it's fairly prestigious, especially in the you know UK music scene. Um, so yeah, that was um, their kind of critics' choice almost. Uh, the band started with Hayden Thorpe and a guy called Ben Little, guitarist. Then they got their mates Chris Talbot and Gareth Bullock to join. They all went to uni in Leeds. And then Bullock was replaced by Tom Fleming, who, if you listen to the music, he does the kind of more deep singing. Um, and they kind of complement each other quite nicely, I guess. I mean, this is something up for discussion, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but yeah, Hayden Thorpe's all like very um, high-pitched voice. And yeah, Tom Fleming's very low-pitched. Um so by this point, um, they had released three EPs, a self-titled demo, two more called Esprit de Corps and All Men. I couldn't find any of these. I don't know <laughs> where they are, um, so I've no idea what they were like. Uh, then, yeah, they signed with a label called Bad Sneakers, and um, then there was a, their first single, Brave, Bold, Bulging, Buoyant, Clairvoyance, um, which was then re-recorded. Um, I think that one got to number 17 on the UK indie charts, but then they signed to Domino, as you said, and then they went on to release the first album, uh, Limbo Panto. And that's when they started to get real recognition. Enemy loved them. Um, and yeah, Two Dancers was named as one of the best albums of 2009 in a lot of top 10 lists, whatever. Um, and I guess like, what kind of music is it? So this is what I had a bit of trouble over. A lot of people, I mean, I kind of saw it as a little bit like, I don't know, like art pop or something, or maybe it is just simply like indie for whatever that is, that's worth. Um, and uh, like some people have called it art funk, that it's slightly funky. I'm not, I'm not actually sure about that. But um, yeah, as they kind of went on, I feel like through their career, and we'll go into this, um, they kind of pared down their sound. And then by the end, weirdly, by the last few albums, they kind of seem to build it back up again. So it's kind of weirdly like circular in the way they've gone from their first to their last album. Yeah, um, I thought that it was a little, uh, mm. yeah, trying to close off the circle maybe. Maybe they knew they were on the out yeah i think that does kind of come through it's a, there's an element of desperation that last album if you ask me um and yeah i don't know how else you'd say it. like i always think of them when i think of wild beast i always think of kind of more like sensual raw sound of it um it's quite inf- intimate i should say it deals a lot with a lot of the lyrics deal with like the masculinity femininity and where that kind of line blurs um but yeah, if I had to put a pin in it, I would probably just call it indie. <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much how I'd, I'd go with it. Like, I mean, there's diversity across these albums, but um, at its core, it's kind of p- piano-driven, um, quite earnest, uh, kind of like indie opuses mm-hmm. that are very kind of emoting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say it's quite... It's melodrama as well. Definitely. Um, operatic, almost, in that sense. Uh, and a lot of that's to do um, with the vocals, isn't it, really? Um, mm. And I really thought his vocal, um, initially on that first album, um, I mean, it was it was quite difficult at first, um, but I, over a few listens, I really came to kind of appreciate that that's quite a unique voice. Very melodramatic. Mm. They say it's like pseudo-operatic um, and kind of fawning and it's almost like drama school pretension. But it's 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 knowingly and deliberately like that. It's almost too much. Um, but then it strains sometimes into like quite sort of like kind of lusty almost kind of growl. 
So it's really strange, yep. and and um, and it's. Just, I think it's a shame that over the course of those albums, he seems to drop a lot of what's unique about his voice and just stick with this kind of uh, you know like a trembling falsetto that's um, you know probably a lot more palatable to more people. Mm. And even yeah, before that first it's... album, I listened to the first single version of um, what's it called. Bulging clairvoyance. Yeah. And his voice is even less uh, formed, I think, on that version than, you know, two years later, the the album version. It's quite interesting, I think, mm. how, yeah, his voice developed. And, you know, listening, having just listened to these albums all in one kind of go, I think that's indicative of how their sound and maybe their commercial aspirations uh, develop over time. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I, I get the sense that um, Hayden, the guy that you're talking about, does the, and I, I might be wrong. Actually, I should I should have really researched this properly. But I think he does most of like the songwriting and all this stuff. Like he's the kind of driving force behind the band. Um, so it could be a sense of like he kind of settled into his groove a little bit and kind of wanted to do more of that stuff. But yeah, you're right. There's an there's an element, <clears throat> especially in those early songs where it does feel like a little bit more um, that kind of like, yeah, rawness almost that kind of uh, um, new sound that he's kind of experimenting with in terms of his voice does kind of get lost after a while. Um, Sometimes it becomes a bit more like produced almost. Yeah. But maybe, you know, to give him the benefit of the doubt, <clears throat> I know I found that kind of quirky and interesting, but maybe he thought, you know, this is just an affectation. And I'm going to drop that as I find more confidence as a singer and a songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. true. Well, let's get into it then. So um, let's take a bit of a break and we're going to go into their early days and their first album, Limbo Panto. Right, Dan. So here we go. So in 2007, they released uh, Assembly, which was essentially, as I was saying, that's kind of the first song that I actually heard from them. And yeah, I didn't like it, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting enough that it's like, I'll keep an eye on it. If that makes sense. I'll see where this is going, but I don't really like that. Um, and there was a B-side, which was uh, called Sylvia. Um, and this kind of is already kind of starting to go into like the twin dancers territory, maybe a little bit. Yeah, um, which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, as we were saying before, there's that element of like opera or something, the, the drama, the drama of it all. Um, and then, yeah, it takes us into Limbo Panto. Um, and as we were speaking about before, that so Hayden's voice, the main singer guy, it's very falsetto. Um, and it was something that I know it was, it, it was a bit different, but at the same time, it was something that was still kind of going on um, at that time, and I think of Anthony and the Johnsons, if you remember them. Totally, yeah. I and totally got that. That was going on at the same time, and it's the same kind of thing, <laughs> basically. It is. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, yeah, it's not like you think it's unique, and it's not as unique as you might think. And Anthony um, arguably does it better as well because it feels a little bit more, when he does it, it feels a little bit more tender than... Um, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Um, and I agree. Maybe even more earnest than this version, than Hayden's way of doing it. 
I think yeah, yeah, Anthony. I think he's got a better. Well, I think he's got better falsetto, and he's more yeah. of a. He evokes kind of like um, almost like black female soul singers of the sixties. Mm. Um, whereas I feel like this guy, he's kind of yeah, he's he's doing that that big melodramatic kind of sound that other bands have done, but he's also he's got that weird kind of like growl, like guttural kind of sounds that he. Mm. And so it's it is a bit different to anything else. I mean, other mm. things I thought he's probably emulating. Um, it sounds at times like Kate Bush, um, mm. and then I heard a bit of like the kind of uh, languid uh, Morrissey, um, yeah, or even even Bowie at his most like stage schooly, like um, oh, okay, interesting, like Diamond Dogs, which is the album that was kind mm-hmm. of based on it was going to be a stage show. So I heard a lot of bits and bobs. Um, so yeah, you know, it's obviously based on some influences, but I thought he'd done enough to try and give himself a distinct voice. And yeah. that and that is what pulled me in in the end, I think, with this album. It's interesting that, because I would say that this album, um, how do I put it? It's like, there's a lot of piano. I think that there's less melody. If it was a bit more chaotic and high energy, and perhaps like a much bigger sound, but it also felt very um, flamboyant, let's say. Yeah. And you'll, pr- you'll probably hate this, um, <laughs> but uh, it kind of reminded me almost of like a Mumford and Sons kind of cacophony <laughs> of sound, <laughs> as if like you're in the middle of a party or something, or there's like tons of people around. But that, uh, but I think f- for me, this first album, I don't feel that there's any like real, and this is a problem with Wild Beast that kind of is a bit recurring, is that... Um, it never feels like there's any like real hook or melody. And when they do have a hook and a melody, for me personally, it really kind of um, pulls me in. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think think about that. I agree with all of that. Um, I suppose, you know, different tastes. I kind of just liked the diversity of sound, maybe. It seemed like, to me, it was a fun album. Um, mm-hmm. After a while... You know, it's quite it's quite rich. There's quite a lot going on in those songs and with that voice. So after a while, I was like, this is like eating my way through a box of um, chocolate truffles and I don't really want any more. Mm-hmm. Um, ten, how many songs it is, it was a bit too much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it just seemed like you, like you said, it's kind of flamboyant, chaotic. Um, I, I liked that. It reminded me a bit of, um, of Montreal. Do you know that band? Yep. So yeah. the kind of like it's like vibrant and a bit a bit silly in a way as well, and those ridiculous song titles, all of that mm-hmm. kind of um, just made it feel kind of alive. Um, Tiger Lilies as well, kind of like a little bit of like a almost a vaudeville sideshow thing going on. Yeah, so I had quite yeah, a lot it of does like feel very much like that. stuff in the pot that I like. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like my first on <laughs> first listen, I was just like, oh, this is too much. Um, yeah. but yeah, after a while, I kind of got used to it and I thought well, it's quite good. I quite like it. Interesting. Um, because I, it's weird for me to listen to the later albums, which is where I became like an actual fan and go back to this album because it doesn't feel like Wild Peace to me, which it doesn't really like when you think about the rest of the stuff, this is very much a kind of almost standalone album for them because they never really returned to that sound ever again no. after after this album not properly um 
And yeah, we talk about Hayden singing. We should mention that the other singer, Tom Fleming, um, he has a very like deep voice, but it's very much again of that time where like editors were doing like really well. And it's that exact same kind of voice where it's like a bit of an emulation of Ian Curtis, um, a bit like Paul Banks from Interpol, um, that kind of, uh, you know, deep, almost nasal. Yeah like Depeche Mode or something like um, <laughs> singing. Uh, but I do like servant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do like the way they kind of complement each other. I feel like it doesn't really fit as well here as it does down the line. And especially actually towards the, near the end of their career um, where that it's less, they kind of give Tom a bit more to do. I feel like, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit strange. Whereas here, it feels very much like it's um, Hayden's show, let's say, mm. um, and it's all like, <laughs> yeah, it's all kicking off or whatever. It's all it's all going on. Um, it's busy. Say, it's busy like, album. Yeah, it's very busy. It's very busy. Um, and yeah, something that's mentioning earlier as well is that throughout the, the albums, we won't go into them on on, um, on a track by track basis, but there's. All the titles and lyrics are quite, um, yeah, to do with like gender, essentially, or but they're quite sexually charged, um, but with a kind of slight sense of humour as well hmm. for, for some of them. Um, and it kind of has that weird mix of like awkward adolescence and the drama that fills it, like the idea that you're like 15 and you're in love and that's it, like nothing else matters in the world, but you're so you're going out and you don't really know the world and everything's like super important to you and in your world. And it's like these weird, like little British as well, like details. Um, and the fact that it's like, you don't really know that much about sex or anything because you're still kind of groping your way through life, but it all feels very important. Yeah. <laughs> um, with consent. Um, yeah. So, and that, and that never really lets up either if you know what I mean, that's kind of, I feel like that's a bit consistent from, hmm. from their whole career, these weird kind of like sexual, um, not all the time, obviously, but there's an, there's an element of that in there. Um, and yeah, I didn't, like you were uh, about the cheesy chips. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that because you know, obviously didn't, I didn't give it enough of a, a deep listen and pay much attention to the lyrics, but that was one line that jumped out at me on this album from Please Sir was, take these chips with cheese. So are you saying that that is some kind of sexual innuendo? It might be. <laughs> Isn't everything? Eat um, my cheesy chips. Eat them. Eat them. Or um, eat them, the cheesy chips. <laughs> yeah. That's a good rendition of our B song. Dan, what, like, what kind of tracks stood out for you then? What ones did you enjoy? Um, I did enjoy the, um, the single, the... Uh, Bulging, you know, brave, bulging, buoyant, clairvoyance. It's easy to get into, isn't it? There's not that much to it, really, but it's just you know, bouncy and fun. And um, what else? I really like the first two songs, actually. Um, again, they seem quite dense and a lot going on to kind of draw you in. Um, mm. So for me, it was like the, the ones that were probably you know the more more in your face ones. Um, well, let's ha- let's have a listen to "Brave, Bulging, Buoyant, Clairvoyance." Anyway, this is their f- this is their first proper single, um, and yeah, people can kind of get a taste of it at home. Lovely. Come away, 
It's interesting because I find this song quite boring, <laughs> to be honest. I think like some of the guitar parts, though, listening to it, kind of hint at what might come a bit later, that kind of like high-pitched staccato and there's lots of delay kind of going on. Again, that's something that's very common at the time with Interpol and editors and stuff like that. But to be honest, like even when I hear bands do that now, I still love it. So it's maybe it's just me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that was the kind of one that broke them out. What was your uh, like? What was your favourite on her? Well, for me, uh, "Devil's Crayon" um, was probably my favourite. Amazing! That, that was a single as well. That's amazing because I put that as. The Devil's Crayon single is pretty tame and bland compared to the rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let people have a listen to that. And they can, <laughs> seeing as we put it so close to the other one and they can and see when compare. Hold on. Devil's Crayon, bit bland for you, was it? Yeah, but I mean, obviously, someone at Domino thought it was a good song because that was the second single, I think, wasn't it? After, yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been me. <laughs> I would have been that person. Um, uh, his his grinning soul as well. Um, uh, I don't know why, but it kind of it reminded weirdly. It reminded me of watching like anime in my bedroom when I moved back to my mum's or something like. It's getting dark outside. And it's like, it's just this feeling of being like in a strange place. It was a very like, um, it, it was just a weird memory that kind of like hit me when I listened to it. And I think it might have less to do with the song and more to do with the flashback. <laughs> that I got. Oh, so you were actually listening simpler to the time. Song in, in Yeah, well, I must have been. I, presu- I presume I was because that's the kind of, it kind of flashed into my head. <laughs> um, I thought you're just like, when I listen to this, I'm get, I get anime, I get... <laughs> no, it's hypothetical situation. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Um, but why? What did you think about his grinning soul then? I liked Not that. Something we can okay. agree on there. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I picked a few. I think I heard some stuff about like, like a whale's skull or something. There was, uh, there was some intriguing kind of like folkloric, nice uh, lyrics in there that I thought were fun. Right. Nice. Nice. Um, Okay, cool. I guess uh, I'm just kind of going through some more of my notes here. There's a, I've put it here like there's a slightly jazzy vibe to this album. Mm. Um, and some of it feels like quite spontaneous. Um, and uh, what was it? I put She Purred um, is kind of indicative of that. Um, and it's something that I just, I completely forgot about really until I came back to this album. That everything, nothing feels like uh, structured basically. Mm. It all feels a bit like constantly up in the air. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's something that I'm just not getting on board with. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right though. It's just so then it's just a matter of taste really. Mm. But some of it is quite jazzy and yeah, there's there's some really interesting um like drum rhythms and things going on on this one. This whole album. Mm. Um which again Well there's I one thing cool. about Wild Beast. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing about Wild Beast constantly is that 
I always think the drumming is quite interesting. But then listening to all their stuff back to back, um, I actually think it's quite similar yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I think about it. But at the, when you're listening to it you know, off the cuff, actually, it does feel quite interesting. Um, so that's kind of the album. What did you think about the cover, by the way? Um, I didn't really... Uh, it. I saw it. It reminded me of... Um, there was the, the Rapture album, Echoes. It reminded me of that, where it's like them different colors or something like that um but it just feels like very such a like a really boring standard kind of okay indie cover yeah like just absolutely nothing to it bit blurry yeah some guys yeah they're kind of moving some colors or something (laughs) i don't know i don't know what this is um yeah so i guess like kind of um overall with the album I don't think it's actually that amazing, but I think it does kind of hint at something a bit different and it's quite unique, definitely kind of like a different sound, I guess, especially from what mainstream audiences may have been listening to. Um, but yeah, it wasn't quite for me. So yeah, I'm interested in what you think. I enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a, a vital or essential album, um, but you know, like, like I said, there's some uh, bands that I like, compare it to that maybe do that kind of thing a bit better. Um, mm. However, I think it's a high watermark in the uh, band's catalogue, so it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, just to kind of go into a little bit about the, the B-sides, I won't hang on this for too long, but um, Devil's Crayon had a B-side called, uh, I think it's called Treacle Tin. That's a good title. It's, just, uh, it's awful. Oh. <laughs> well you might you might like it uh, <laughs> i thought it was awful um and there was the um b-side to brave bulging by clairvoyance this is a track called mummy's boy which i actually quite like um it feels a bit like epic and a bit sad and jubilant which as you know like that kind of i kind of like that kind of mix yeah um and i like it more than what's actually on the album um it's, uh, I put here that it feels weirdly cathartic. Mm-hmm. Um, great. There's also an acoustic version of Brave Bulging Bumholes, um, <laughs> which I don't care for. Because <laughs> I don't really <laughs> like the song that much anyway. <laughs> so the, the last thing Strips I want is to kind of strip back the production <laughs> and yeah, just have his vocals all over the place. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, that's it for that. Any last, any last words on that album before we move on? I wonder why they chose not to put the first Domino single on the album. Both of those two songs uh, presumably can be considered rarities. Mm. I'm interested in what those EPs sound like as well. If anyone's got any, then send it in or whatever, any links or, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I didn't exactly go, you know, searching through record shops or anything like that or trying to find any off eBay, but... Um, yeah, I'm intrigued in what those EPs sound like, like the very, very first sound of their sound. They're not on Discogs, so I'm guessing they must have just been um, stuff that they made themselves mm. and probably like sent them out or sold them at gigs or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, okay, well, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back to their second album, Two Dancers. See you in a bit.
So Two Dancers, uh, released in 2009 to quite wide acclaim. Um, and it is probably one of my favourite albums of all time. Um, again, as we said, nominated for Mercury Music Award, which for that year, the XX won. Um, and I think this album actually only got to number 68 on the charts. Um, I'm not sure if I misread that or if that was its first week debut or whatever, but not very high for, for an album. Um, so yeah, Dan, before I kind of get into it, tell me what your thoughts on this album were. I was pretty shocked because this is only one year removed. And to me, it's a very different sound. Um, I think, as you know, as I said, there's strange aspects of his vocal, which I thought, you know, was so compelling on the first album, seem to have been, uh, you know, that the angles have been shorn off. Um, so now he's just singing in a, a falsetto, which I don't think is actually that well, you know, he's mastered it. It's quite a shrill falsetto sound that I struggled with. Um, and generally, I just thought, you know, everything's been toned down a lot. Uh, it's definitely more a mainstream kind of sound. Um, but there was still, you know, there's still some good stuff in here. Um, a few highlights, obviously, I'm sure you'll go into them. Um, but I, I enjoyed the two dancers, uh, tracks, both of those Yeah, in the middle of the album. I thought, you know, there's something interesting going on here conceptually. Um, mm-hmm. and it was good to finally hear the song Hooting and Howling because... I've seen that talked about a lot and I've never actually got around to listening to it. And I thought that was pretty oh, really? good as well. Um, yeah. There's an interview um, with Hayden where it was like, you know, towards the end of the thing, um, the uh, end of the band. And it was like, if Wild Beast, if you had to choose one Wild Beast song, like to, well, I don't know, to sum them up or whatever, what would it be? And he said, Hooting and Howling. Hmm. Lyrics, lyrics to that one were quite interesting as well. And it's like, whether he's talking musically or lyrically there, I can see that being representative as well of maybe their whole kind of thing. It's a lot of um, kind of like, almost like folk poetry mm-hmm. going on there. But overall, yeah, I mean, to me, it was just uh, a bit a bit bland. And I mean, I looked at all the, you know, the reviews and everything. And I mean, the first album was really well reviewed as well. Um, mm. But this one was like runaway, blanket, critical... Uh, darling success wasn't it so yeah um you know maybe i need to uh give this another one um guess, yeah. give this another listen well let's see if i can go through it and uh, <laughs> and and help you on your way to that. <laughs> i guess like <clears throat> for me um like right from the the cover it feels like it's like a step up because it's a bit more like abstract for a start um and it's not like here's the band like turning around or something like some shitty photo shoot it actually feels like a bit more considered and i guess that's kind of like the key word that i used through this whole album really is that the whole all the songs feel thought about much more considered and much more less like like oh we're making music but more there is a kind of more somber tone to it but um it feels like they've like matured. I know it's a lame adjective to kind of use to describe it, but and, you know, people use it and review music all the time, but it does feel like it's, they're like, okay, we're getting serious now. Like we're going to make some serious music that's going to yeah. make people feel the deep shit that they need to come to terms with or whatever. Um, and yeah, I guess it's like, um, I'll, I'll kind of go through it. I've kind of done it track by track, but I really will try not to kind of go too deep on this. Um, but like the first, the first one, Fun Powder Plot, 
it kind of, for me, that really does kind of set the mood for the rest of the album. And I just really like the production because it does feel, compared to like the first album, it's just completely like scaled back. Um, it's much less playful, it's much more serious. Um, and yeah, it just feels like there's a bit more maturity. And I like it when bands do that because, and the Wild Beasts get guilty of this as well, which is what we spoke about earlier, which is when they think like being better musicians is to just add more shit on and, you know, overproduce and all this stuff. Like it's, it's quite, I don't know if it's quite rare, but whatever, but like to just think, right, we're going to kind of scale it back. Like we're going to do something a lot more simpler. And even though it's still like obviously quite heavily produced and obviously there's, you know, it's, it's almost got like a cigarros kind of vibe to it as well. Um, it just feels uh, like, yeah, that they've just, they're taking this much more seriously now, which is weird because I don't, you know, there's no, it's, as you said, it's, there's not much time apart from it, um, but they've really kind of, I don't know what inspired them to kind of change that sound. Um, but yeah, for me, it's uh, quite interesting. Um, and yeah, so the second song, Hooting and Howling, which we, we spoke about, I think maybe let's listen to it a bit here so people can get an idea of, of what that sounds like. Oh, Kikoki. Carry me, hooting and howling To the river to wash off my hands Of the hot blood, the sweat and the sand Any rival who goes for a girl's Will be left on soaking in terror And bereft of a coffin bearer What does that hooting sound like, Sam? <laughs> and howling. Oh, that's pretty good. That was, um, that's, that should have been on the B side. Yeah. Just that looped for oh, like yeah. five minutes. Yeah. Well, you're right. But unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't. Instead, we got this classic track. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like, uh, again, like with the songs on here, um, it all feels very delicate, feels very small, at least it starts that way anyway. Um, and it's weird because you said about his vocals, because I feel like they're a lot more, uh, as you were saying, like that whole um, sound of his vocals from the first album, I think still happens here. Like, you know, he's like, we're just broods or whatever, like that kind of, he's really pushing that out. Mm. Um, like distorting his voice as he's doing it, which is a bit like the clairvoyance song from the last album. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like it's a little bit more authentic than uh, than the last album. Yeah, um, in, I, in, in I can see that. I can see that. I think, you know, everything you said I agree with. I suppose it's just a matter of uh, whether you see it as having been successful or not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, um, exactly. I think for me, yeah... I, you know, some of these decisions, you know, to do a more mature sound, be more authentic, definitely be more earnest, stripped back. Um, I just don't know if the songwriting has supported it. I've got some strong uh, Idlewild vibes 
that's yeah. um, stirred up some very bad memories <laughs> to anyone oh, so- who knows that band. They were really good. And then they obviously decided to mature and try mm. and go for a more commercial sound uh, and just were, were absolute dog shit forever. Yeah, but I think, I think yeah, I mean, like Idlewild, again, what the problem was with that as well is that they did go way too overproduced. Obviously, they lost any kind of, not that they were particularly punk, but they kind of lost that, you know, that's just gone. Yeah. Um, but also um, there was no like actual like proper hooks or melodies really. Like the songs just weren't interesting. And I can see what you're saying about this album. But for me, this is still interesting in a, a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe um, I need more time for the hooks to uh, present themselves to me. Yeah, and it feels like it's instead of like forcing it in your face, which I feel like the first time was a bit like, this one is a bit like, we're just going to let the music kind of speak for itself a bit more. Um, And we're still like changing things up because like within each song, there's still like, and they do kind of do this towards the end of the career as well. There's different things that happen still um, within like the one song and that variety I think is quite cool. And that's the problem with a lot of the shitter Wild Beast tracks, if I can say that is that it starts to turn into like a drone. Like there's just nothing. It's the same. There's no hook. There's no melody. It's just like someone's fucking about on a keyboard or something, um, which becomes a bit of a, a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, so and the other track, All the King's Men, which is a single as well. Um, I like how it has this like strange aura about it. And again, it's kind of, I really love the guitar in this song. And I think, you know, that's also part of it is that, I'm a big fan, as you know, Dan, of like delay pedals and like creating yeah. like these like the atmosphere of sounds of like just through, you know, guitar basically. Um, and Textural and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of that here. Um, but I also think All the King's Men is a good example of how their voices, both their voices um, intertwine to give like a bit more of a unique experience. I think it's a good single because it would, I think interest people who probably haven't heard this kind of thing before. Um, and then, yeah. And then uh, I'll kind of go crack on with the other ones, but when I'm sleepy, very short, I quite like the way that there's a lot of the, there's about three or four of these really short tracks that kind of break up the album a little bit. Mm. So they're not necessarily like full fledged songs. They're more like, here's like a little bit that maybe we jam together. or That's like something that's like on the floor of whatever, but we really like it. And instead of trying to, pad it out into a song we'll just use it how it is to kind of break up for the rest of the songs if that makes sense and i, I really quite like that because it it feels like it keeps everything moving yeah um which is quite nice um and then one of my other favorite songs is we still got the taste dancing on our tongues really fucking love those guitar um harmonics and like and with the piano there as well i just think it's just like beautiful a beautiful sound and also like it's if i'm reading it right it's like it's about like it's the sadness that surrounds like sex basically um like that it feels like that melancholy should almost be like i don't know like unjust but it also like Mm -hmm. resonates with the sadness that sometimes surrounds love and the act of making love and it plays with like the duality of it almost um so that for me there's a lot kind of going on in that song um and that's why I like that one. So that's what's going on? For me. What's going on? What's going on then with uh, <laughs> with these two <laughs> two songs? Dancers. 
Well, I said two of them. Presumably as well, for any uh, vinyl audio files, I'm assuming that this was the close of side A and the opening of side B. Oh, never thought about that. Maybe while you're telling everyone, I'll go and <laughs> research that. Check it out. Yeah. Well, two dancers, yes, yeah, so there's a part one and a part two next to each other. And yeah, the guitar, again, they've done a cool guitar sound here, um, which sounds a little bit like a sitar. And whenever I hear stuff like that, it reminds me of um, uh, it reminds me of Fortet and especially like his um, album Rounds, which was probably my favourite album of that year. Um, and it kind of gets me in this weird like, I know, like chilled out, ethereal mood. It's weird. So whenever I hear that kind of sound, I, I like it anyway. So I'm a bit biased when I hear guitars like that. Um, again, it's still very delicate. It's quite fragile, but you've got these like strong voices across the top of it. Um, and again, yeah, it's that, it's that weird kind of like masculinity versus, well, not versus, but like accompanying femininity you've got it's very fragile um and not i'm saying obviously not going on about you know, women a week or anything like that obviously but it's a very um feminine light sound and also with hayden's voices which can you know kind of that falsetto voice mixed with these like sometimes big harsh distorted kind of thicker sounds um which is, feels quite masculine and i don't know if that's something they're even aware of <laughs> but because of the stuff like to do with the lyrics and whatever i feel like they really like kind of focus in on it and play up to it don't know i presume two dances is a pretty straightforward uh reference to two lovers right yeah sexy things a sexy song sexy two sexy songs that come together um was it a, was it uh was it split in the final they are the two opening tracks of side b so mr trick there um, boys Oh, well, never mind. Um, and yeah, this is our lot. Again, I kind of race through these. Uh, I think it's another incredible track. It shows how the album is a lot slower. Um, and there's a sadness here. Um, and, you know, talking, of, and it's kind of like a sadness to do with like life itself, how, you know, you graft all the time and it's tough, but at least you've got each other, like with your loved one. And I don't know, it's just quite, you know, this is our lot. Um, it's what, you know, it's what we have. Um Quite nice. Did that kind of do anything for you? Or were you still not enamoured by it? Um, These few songs after two dances, I confess, passed me by a little bit uh, until we got to the end of the album. Yeah, which is is fair enough. Uh, You might have noticed on the next track, Underbelly. Did Underbelly sound familiar to you at all? The end bit, I should say, more than anything. Uh, um, Not at all, no. Why? Should I recognise it? Yeah, it was used in an O2 advert for years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and a lot of people, when I remember whenever I'm playing this going, isn't this off the advert? Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's off the advert. Leave them alone. Uh. Um, and yeah, again, it's, it's quite beautiful and a bit spacey and whatever. Is this um, another kind of linking track? Ambient no, it's weird. Cause it, it's weird because it just ends. Like it literally just stops at the um, end and then goes into the next track. I, I remember that now. I'm being puzzled by that. I quite liked that though. That actually, yeah, I liked it as well. So, and we're done. Right, turn off now. That was one point in the album where I actually uh, sat up and took notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you think something's fucked uh-huh. up. Because, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's really weird. Um, and yeah, Empty Nest is pretty good. I quite like that song as well. 
And then Through the Iron Gate, I normally, which is the last song, I normally skip just because it <laughs> it feels like it's, it's quite a haunting ending, which uh, is fine, but it feels like it doesn't really have the same weight or like a real hook. And there's almost this weird anger behind it, which feels out of place with the rest of the album, um, which I'm guessing is why it's probably at the end. But uh, yeah, I, didn't, I don't really like this that as an ending. So then what do you think? Won't surprise you to learn that this is my favourite song. <laughs> For that very reason. You're right. It does, I, I did think it was out of place. So, you know, if you've enjoyed this uh, album, um, yeah, if, you know, if I, if I was uh, in charge of producing and sequencing this album, I'm not sure I'd have put it there. Um, what? Should we give people, have people um, listen to it for a little bit? Right. Unless it's your favourite track of the album. If we must. song it's just got a bit more grit in it and like you say there's a bit of uh, anger there's some edge uh, and that's why it kind of uh, spoke to me resonated because i'm such an angry young man <laughs> young <laughs> <laughs> too late for that mate uh, too late for that um yeah okay well i mean uh, overall what did you think so as i said i've made it quite clear I, lo- I absolutely love this album and I love going out of my way to listen to it. Um, and for me, it still sticks to this day. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you thought. Um, I don't think I can add much more to what I said at the start. I mean, I'm willing to accept that maybe if I yeah listen to this a bit more, there's probably some uh, subtle hooks in there that might make the songs but- come alive a bit more for me, but... So you're not saying it's like the, their worst album or anything like that? Oh no, it, it still it get it gets worse. It still gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> um, okay, I could talk to the B sides a little bit. Um, they were basically all remixes, to be honest, and they released a remix EP as well. Um, they're all pretty shit. <laughs> two, <laughs> two dancers, the uh, John Hopkins remix um, is okay. Um, but that's only because basically they've just nicely paired it with some electronic drums and a bit of fuzz, which complements it quite nicely. But to be honest, it's pretty much the same song. Um, and one remix, which I was quite interested in, was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, um, One O Tricks Point Never. You heard of this guy? No. No, so the only person? reason I know... Yeah, it's a, no, Well, yeah, exactly. The only reason I um, know of his work is because... He does a lot of work with, um, he basically did the soundtrack to a film I love called Good Time. Um, he works with the Safdie brothers who are directing duo and they recently did Uncut Gems, which is on Netflix and it's basically a shit uh, version of their Good Time um, <laughs> album, uh, album, film, to be honest. Uh, um, but it's quite like, it's, uh, how do I put it? It's synth. It feels like quite 80s, but um, uh, like when my wife hates it, like when she was um, watching Uncut Gems, she was like, I fucking hate this music. And I was like, I don't mind it. I was like, I think it's the same guy that did the last film. And it was, 
And he's done stuff with like Tim Heidecker as well, who we both like. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. So he did a remix um, of this, of uh, one of the songs. And um, I think Two Dance as well, the actual song. I can't remember, I can't remember the actual song, which is a bit useless. But um, he's basically put like a chip tune over the top of it. And I'm not really digging it, to be honest. It's quite mm. lazy, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, those are the B-sides, basically, to the singles. Nothing that great. Um, Do you think those remixes, though, might have informed then their decision for their next step? Well, I think it might have informed their decision. I think they were redoing... Re- I think Wild Beast were actually doing remixes, or maybe Hayden, just Hayden, I don't know, whoever, was starting to do remixes of other songs by this point as well. Okay. Um, so I think there was definitely um, an interest in electronic synths starting to happen here. Mm. I mean, from the album anyway, but um, it's not as prevalent as it comes on later on. But um, yeah, I do feel like they're definitely taking a step in that direction, but it comes more into the fore, doesn't it? Kind of further down the line. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the next album, uh, Smother, and take a little break. <laughs> I find you hidden there, a veiled creature of the deep. Wayfish as a widow and without sufficient sleep. Oh, what am I supposed to think? Do I pull you out or do I let you sink? I wait until you're woozy, I lay low until you're. So, Smother, released in 2011. Um. And this did feel like it was another step in their journey, their musical journey, let's say. Um, it feels like it's a little bit of a step away from two dancers, but not quite um, as much. And it's interesting because it's, um, I feel like this album has more, maybe what you would call less bland songs, but also extremely bland songs as well. There's um, a, a lot of highs and lows for me. Um, so it's a bit less full of like delays um and simple sounds like the last album had um and i think it was quite it's quite brave and commendable i'd say to take a step away from that previous album and try something else um and it it's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't basically if it feels a little bit more radio friendly i would say than the last album last two albums maybe but um they've still tried to keep that kind of mature sound that you know that still kind of stepped away from that first album um, apparently the whole album was written recorded in two months you can believe that I can believe that <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah fair enough well before I kind of get get into the, the nitty gritty of it like what how did you feel about this album when you kind of walked into it and are there any standout tracks for you I felt angry and <laughs> cheated but after the last track of <laughs> Two Dancers that's why after after, uh, pretty much after the first song, Lion's Share. No, I just, I thought, okay, I'm afraid they've made a move to look like they're doing something interesting whilst very much doing something not interesting. They've taken the same sort of sound of two dancers, but they've evolved it only by making the quite sort of um, obvious and almost cliched, you know, at that time, step of just adding some of the safest synths I've ever heard and it just seems to be designed to appeal to uh, the most Guardian readers possible um, and offend the, offend the least 
number of people possible. Um, and it, it really does sound a lot to me like some of the other bands that were around at this time that I also didn't very much like. Um, we're just, yeah, sort of wishy-washy, safe, boring sounds. And, and, you know, I just I put it on, I, I looked at even the song titles and I just thought, God, it's so uninspiring. Deeper, invisible, plaything. Yeah. Burning. Yeah, I can agree Ends with that. come yeah. too soon. I thought, oh, God. It's so earnest. It's so earnest. Um, one good thing, I think, you know, there was a little bit more tapping into a kind of a soulful mood. Um, mm. Some of it's quite sort of silky and sultry, um, which isn't really, you know, my kind of thing. It's not to my taste. Um, but I did appreciate that they'd introduced that element. And some some of them, you know, some of the moments in songs, I think that was handled quite well. Uh, Plaything was really the one, I think, that jumped out at me uh, where that was done quite successfully. Okay. Um, yeah, do you want to, should we have a listen to Plaything? Yeah. Dan, you'll find it interesting to know that Plaything was one of my least favourite tracks. This <laughs> 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 oh, is so funny. Um, uh, I just, like this and Deeper, for instance, I just felt was just slightly boring. Um, Albatross as well. A lot of people like Albatross, but again, I just thought, I think because it's got more of a bit of a hook maybe, but again, I was just like, oh, this is so boring. Um yeah, I don't know. Like it's yeah, the opener line share was like it feels like okay, we've got a much more clean sound now than we did on the last album. Um it's still quite it's still fairly minimalist in places, but it's a lot more cleaner. It's not quite as you know, full of like swirling delays and stuff as the as the last album. Um and it all feels like I don't know, non-intrusive, like uh, and yeah, line share specifically kind of eases you in. And it's, I quite like the sound. I quite like the production behind it um, a bit more um, than like listening back to it now, a bit more than I probably did when I first listened to it. Um, Bed of Nails is a fave. Um, I like Hayden's voice in that one. I like the sweeping guitar in the background. I think the verse is quite catchy and it hints a little bit at the last album um, as well. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, throughout this album now, you can start hearing there's a bit more like electronic sounds in there and they're kind of experimenting maybe a bit. Um, and yeah, that's starting to like be pushed more and more in the fore until it gets like too much in my opinion, but still. Um, loop the Loop, I really like. Um, it's a bit more like the last album as well. It's still very delicate. I think it's quite a beautiful track. Um, and then, yeah, reach a, reach a bit further might be my favourite track on the album. Um, and I love how Tom's voice comes in and it's almost like a duet between them both rather than normally how they kind of complement each other. This weirdly sounds like 
yeah, like a duet. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and I tell you what, let's give it. Let's give that a bit of a listen. Why not? fucking shit <laughs> it just feels like someone pissing about it doesn't really sound like an actual song if you ask me and then yeah end come too soon um so they used to close on this a lot um as you can probably imagine like when this album well and after when this album came out but um it does it feels like a good ending it's a bit more optimistic especially since um through the iron gates whatever of the last album and i think it's still quite nice and gentle and i think it sums up how if it sums up that um, feeling of like when you're having like a good time and you don't want to, it to stop basically if you're with someone or doing something and you're like, you know, that literally like that end come too soon. I know it's super fucking on the nose, but um, it's a, it left me um, feeling a bit more like hopeful, weirdly, mm. um, than maybe the last album did. Uh, but yeah, for me, that's that's the album. So... Yeah, I think like personally, it's um, it's got some like real highs. Like as I said, I really like reach a bit further, loop the loop, uh, bed and nails. Probably my top three tracks, I would say, not necessarily in that order. Um, but yeah, some of that stuff, I'm just like, Ugh, just have to get through it. It's just it's starting to become a bit like almost lazy. Some of some of it, mm. or like a bit like self. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, indulgent. I want to say self indulgent. Sorry, that's the one. Yeah, self indulgent. Um, and I think that becomes a bit more of a problem later on. Um, but yeah, that's what, what I thought about it. What about you? Uh, yeah, just um, have I been able to change me. your mind about any of this so far? <laughs> uh, not on this one. No, no, not on this one. What did you think of the cover? I liked it. Um, again, it's a bit more like. Like the first one was like a band album cover, whatever, boring. Second one was like, oh, we've gone a bit arty and I quite like it. And it's also like weirdly like sexy in a weird way, which is quite cool. This one is like design, if that makes sense. It's like, um, I like the colours. I think it's quite striking. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily like groundbreaking, but um, I actually, uh, I quite like it. So. I thought it looked like um, a CD from uh, Sunday Supplement, Mail on Sunday, <sighs> or maybe um, a piece of art that you might go and buy from Ikea. <laughs> yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. <laughs> I kind of see 
what you said, the Sunday supplement um, is, yeah, actually bang on. It's kind of ruined it for me now. <laughs> what do you think of the title? It's something that it's like, yeah, when I think about it, when it's like f- the top 50 film reviews or something, I don't know. <laughs> be like written on the front of it. Um, what did I think of what? Sorry, what was it? What uh, um, the album title. Smother. Yeah. Um, I think it, I, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm guessing you're going to say something negative about it, but um, <laughs> I quite like the, I like the word because it's always like, it's like Molly Codling kind of thing, but like to a degree of like, there's an element of death in there. Yeah. So like you can get, it's almost like killing someone with love. That's what I kind of think about Smother. Mm. Um, when people use it as in like, it's loving someone OTT um, to the point where it becomes detrimental to that person. Um, and yeah, I think it's quite a cool title, but it doesn't really, I guess it kind of, I don't know, speaks to their whole spiel that they're always digging at, um, hmm. in terms of like love and sex and drama and whatever. Um, makes yeah. sense. But I think it's a fairly good title. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about what limbo panto, like, I don't know what that means. That's just two words picked from a fucking dictionary. As far as <laughs> the panto side of it makes sense. Cause it does feel quite pantomime Yeah. And the music does sound like it's in constant limbo, so maybe it does make sense. I don't know, but um, that feels more like a kind of like thing of someone's just gone. Oh, these two words kind of sound like something and stick them together. Whereas two dancers, as you said, sex, two lovers, the dance being like a sexual act, smother, loving someone to death, <laughs> essentially, almost. So it feels like there's a bit more meaning behind that. Now you've shared that theory, it just makes me think, yeah, they've really missed an opportunity here. Could have done a really cool cover, you know, someone holding the pillow down over someone's face. Xerox kind of <laughs> punk rock cover, like a mid-80s Reagan era. Maybe maybe smothering Reagan. Yeah, it's maybe it's like um, it's like a, a nice, uh, like, matriarchal, like, woman and then some little, little snot-nosed kid who's yeah. getting killed. By the, by the mother, the smothering mother. Um, that's what, yeah, but it was like the offspring. Yeah, that's all. That's yeah, that's what it would like. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Americana, literally. <laughs> art. Um, yeah, I guess like, I remember it's worth keeping in mind that they're they're, they're called wild beasts, um, and I think that is supposed to be sexually provocative in it, as and of itself as well. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, if you ask me. Uh, so yeah. Um, they should have called so themselves Dan, mild beasts. Uh, that's a good one, isn't it? Bet no one's or, wild, or if they really went into the electronic side, wild beats. Oh. Or uh or uh or uh, old breasts. Don't get it. It's wild breasts, isn't it? Looks like beasts. <laughs> uh, okay. Wild breasts would have been I'm thinking of some hairy nips there. Some kind of big old caveman titties. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That, that, that's that's what this this album was just lacked in any kind of uh, anything evocative of any interesting imagery. Prehistoric yeah. sex. You you filled that need for me. Mm. It's not the only need that I filled for you <laughs> over the years. <laughs> um, let's go into the uh, the B sides. Because um, there's quite a few in this one. Uh, they, they must have recorded a fair bit during the recording of this album. But um, uh, they've got a track called Smother, 
um, on the Albatross single. Um, it's quite a nice piano-based song. Um, feels like it could be in a film or something. Um, if you're feeling a bit sad and lonely, it might be something quite nice to listen to. Um, another track, which is on the B-side of Bed and Nails, is called Catherine Will. Um, it's a very str- strange song, still of the same ilk of the rest of the album. Actually, I quite like it, but it's still, you know, B-side material. Um, Reach a bit further's B-side was Thankless Thing. Um, I actually really like it. I feel like it has its own weird mini journey um, and there's something more slightly magical about it. So that might be one that's worth checking out. Um, Stray, uh, it was a digital only song, I think. Um, and it's meh, there's nothing to it really. Um, yeah, and that's that's basically it. Um, so yeah, I guess like with this whole album, it just feels like there's more like filler. Um, again, it still feels like more considered as well, like the last album was, but... Um, well mannered, yeah. too well mannered. Yeah. Go a yeah, bit wild, true. guys. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Put it that way. If you're a wild beast fan, you listen to it and go, "That was fine. That was fine. It's fine. Wasn't great, but yeah. okay." Um, all right, let's, well, let's take uh, a bit of a break. Go well, on. and then and then let's bring things up to the present. Mm. This is where things get tense <laughs> between me and Dan. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's take a break and we'll come back. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Right, so let's move on to Present Tense, which uh, was released in 2014. Um, And this is where things start going slightly downhill. Now, 
there's still a couple of tracks for me that really stand out um, and are highlights, but if I don't really like where this album is starting to head, put it that way. Um, Dan, what did you think when you listened to this album? Um, I thought like the previous albums, there's an obvious, um, just a little evolution. So, you know, it's not a big sea change. Um, but that synth sound that's been introduced in the previous album, um, you know, it's just, it's just more, uh, predominant here. Um, personally, because, you know, I kind of like that sound a bit more. Um, it meant that I found this like sonically more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the synths were, there was more, they were more playful. Like I said, the last one, it felt like it was very safe. Um, I think they experimented a little bit more here. Um, but, but all in all, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't a, a album that I particularly enjoyed. I think the yeah, mm-hmm. material was still, to me, it wasn't very hooky. Um, uh, it started off, the beginning of Wanderlust was quite interesting. It was a bit of a kind of grimy sound. Um, and then it sort of like just paled off into the same sort of kind of insipid stuff and it kind of continued for the rest of the album, <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read that um, Hayden... Uh, by the sounds of it, it's been, they basically all moved to London um, and he had this like um, flat, tiny flat or something in Kensal Rise or wherever. Um, I don't know, wherever, somewhere in East London maybe. And then um, he was basically using, kind of like what I do basically, he had his little synth and his laptop and was just playing around with sounds um, and that ended up being on here, if that makes sense. On, on this album um so it sounds like he's literally experimenting with synths in a very basic way same as i do um and i think that kind of comes through a little bit on some of these songs yeah. where it's, it's a good and a bad thing like sometimes as you said it does sound a bit different and a bit interesting other times i'm just like it just doesn't it's just not doing it for me basically um, i'm a bit amateurish yeah essentially um but yeah, Wanderlust, I mean, like, it's a, it's a fairly okay opener, to be honest. Um, it kind of, you can kind of already feel straight from the off that it's going to be a bit different. Um, uh, like, yeah, I don't mind that song. It's, I don't mind the kind of dark electro sounds, basically. It's kind of, I think, where I'm more heading towards. Um, and they can be quite magnetic uh, to begin with. But um, yeah, and I think if you listen to Wanderlust, you've got those like electronic choir voices in the background. And that feels a bit amateurish to me. To mm. I hate those kind of, I hate those sounds. Like I can never think of an instance where they're good. And <laughs> that includes, that includes this really. I mean, it's like it kind of, they're low enough in the mix where it's like, you know, whatever, it's just adding a bit of texture, as you said, but I'm still like, Ugh, I just, I would have used something else. If yeah. it was me, like, like something to kind of use another sound, like don't use the fucking choir voices, please. It's <laughs> like, cliched. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bit. It's a bit lazy. It's a bit stock. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you can get those anywhere. Like, why would you use those? Like, create your own sound or whatever. Or, mm. You know, or play or, or do I don't know. Fucking like you know. Normally, when I'm if I, I find like a normal sound or something, I would distort the fuck out of it um, and try and turn it into something else. You know, just if it, it feels literally like he's just found that preset and kind of gone with it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I don't want to be too critical of it. Like, what the fuck do I know? Um, so, uh, 
Yeah. I, I don't, what other tracks kind of stood out for you then, Dan, before we kind of go through it a bit? No more tracks. No more tracks. Okay, fair enough. Well, I t- I'll kind of go through the ones that, <laughs> the ones that I liked. Um, so you got this, you got the track Nature Boy. Um, it, again, I like the darkness of it, but it just feels like meh. It doesn't feel like it's anything. It feels like a warm up song or something like that. Um, Mecca is a, another single that came with the album is okay. Um, but sometimes I feel like, I don't know, like we kind of replace guitars with synths. And I just don't mm. feel like it hits hits as hard. There's no, as you said, there's no real like sonic variety here. And then, and especially with this song, because about two thirds of the way through, um, the guitars come in and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm kind of enjoying this a bit more now. Um, mm. And I wish they'd done it a bit more like that. It's like too little, too late a little bit. And it kind of, yeah. So that's what makes it okay. But it's just like, you have to get to that point where the guitars come in. You're like, okay, I mean, you know, slow build to this bit, which is okay now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sweet Spot um, is, they're trying to go with that kind of delicate sound again, but it's not until like the last minute where it kind of changes it up a bit that it kind of pulls me in. And again, it's like too little too late mm-hmm. by that point. Um, a, a track I love actually is uh, Daughters. Um, and I forgot how much I actually liked it until I heard it again, actually. Um, especially when that dark synth kind of comes in at the end, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, and yeah, I tell you what, let's have a listen to Daughters, why not? Yeah, um, that's a good one. And then it's kind of followed by um, A Simple Beautiful Truth, which is one of my favourite Wild Beast songs. And every time I hear it, it gets stuck in my head for fucking weeks. Um, I think because it's... uh, I really like the vocal melody. I really like the hook. I like the way they both sing um, as well. And it's just a really super fucking simple song. They've not added any flourishes that necessarily are needed for it. Um, and I just think it's super catchy. I don't know what you thought of that one, if you didn't like it. I just, uh, a lot of these albums just didn't register with me at all. Um, yeah. I can't remember it whatsoever. Well, there you go. Fair enough. And I'll tell you what, just because I like a simple, beautiful truth, I think I'm just going to play a bit of that as well. Because... basically it i mean like the rest i don't know the rest of the songs feel like 
I don't, I don't know. Like it was coming back to it. It was the this album was actually better than I remembered it because uh, I really didn't like it when I first came in. And um, I think if it was a bit more epic than what I actually originally remembered. Uh, but again, like each track we were talking about this earlier, like the drums just sound the same to me. Mm. It's the same beat, like almost every single song. And it just feels like, apart from those couple I've said, there's just not that much that's kind of distinguishing one from the other. No, um, I just zoned out of this really pretty quickly early on and never came back. Yeah. Uh, it was reviewed very well, though, it seems. Yeah, when it gets to this point where it's like, you know what happens with a lot of bands, where it's like they become like the the darlings or whatever, if you want to, like, and then you talk about like Guardian... <laughs> Guardian music choice um, selections or whatever. but um, And then people will review a very mediocre album by the same guys because they're a bit scared to say that these previous darlings have just done yeah. a shit album. Um, and so they do, they give it like an okay score because there's almost like that fear that they don't understand it or something like that. Or that, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. They've got the momentum of the machine behind them. Yeah, it's like well, we could, we can't say that it's shit because we've talked them up for God knows how long. Absolutely, but we could say we could say it's like a disappointment. Um, I don't think we even said is, that though. It seems no. to have been pretty well, well um, received. Yeah, I don't get all, it. All these first four albums. Yeah, like I can again. It's there's a couple of tracks that I'm I'm like yeah okay cool that's that can save an album, but. Um, it's not enough and they're getting less and less with each album that we kind of go through past the second album. Um, they seem to uh, place a lot of importance on the closing track of the album. So what did you think of that, Palace? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really, I didn't really note anything down on it. <laughs> so I think uh, it obviously didn't kind of, didn't really stick with me um, yeah. as much as it obviously did with other people. Um yeah, I see. I, just, uh, I, I see they did a Foles, a Foles remix of it. Mm, they like, did, yeah. I know that you're a keen Foles mm. fan. Yeah. Well, to be to be fair, that the remix um, of that track is okay, but it's very of that time. Mm. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of these remixes. What I find with a lot of remixes generally is that. Um, that it's it's that classic thing of like let's put like a drums sound let's put a beat to it that like everyone is using at that particular on that particular summer or whatever yeah. um and that's kind of what the foals have done here it's like yeah they haven't really done anything with it but out of all those remixes that's probably the best one it's okay um what else uh was hanging around at the time in terms of b-sides and what's not they ha- yeah, so there was the B side um, for the B side for Wanderlust was Byzantine, um, which is okay, so I, but um, again, I felt it was quite boring. Um, and they also released some kind of random tracks around this time, um, and this is obviously you know this is now because we're obviously a bit more up to date. This is when you know bands do a lot of this now, where they just like throw a track out there just to see how it does like, every now and then, like you know. Um, and they released like Soft Future, which is basically purely pretty much an electronic track. Um, it's not great. Ending's okay. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any vocals or anything on it. It's literally just pure electronic, which is probably indicative of where the next album 
goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Blood Knowledge, kind of more of a slower electronic song. I think it's quite boring. And then, um, yeah, and then in 2015, they released uh, Woe Begone Wanderers 2. And it feels a bit like a leftover from Smother, maybe. I'm not really sure what to make of it. But again, not that much of a song there. So, yeah, the B-sides aren't really anything great. Um, Why did they use the title from a song from their first album? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Because that's Woe Begone Wanderers one, right? (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. (laughs) So I don't know. um, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not familiar enough to I didn't I didn't play them side by side or anything that's quite a strange um, decision isn't it though what, like what uh 10 years later less than 10 but put out a random sequel to that song yeah and they've not even really released it properly um, yeah. no it's not on on discogs or anything it only seems to be on uh like Spotify and yeah that's what I mean when they're just releasing shit digitally because you can they're not they never put out actual releases these things do they they're just like no stuff to kind of keep people um, engaged with yeah. their output. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the yeah. album title here? Um, yeah, don't know. <laughs> just nothing, don't right? Know. It's just like the most nothing. I can't think of two um, more innocuous words that you could put together that just evoke a sense of nothing. Yeah, because it's like... It's not like it's like living in the moment or something like that. And then I thought, is it, because, are they playing with, kind of like how we did just before the break, are they playing with the idea that it's both the words present and tense could mean, you know, different things. Like present as in time, present as in a gift, tense like when- as in words, tense as in, you know, a feeling, an atmosphere. Like when you get a really bad present, and then you, they're, they're sitting there willing you on and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to deal with this? I didn't, I didn't want this dildo, auntie. <laughs> I wanted an like electronic toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> that second hand one, Jesus. It's got your, it's got your name on it. <laughs> uh, God's sake. Um, yeah, I didn't think much of it either. I mean, like the cover as well. Jesus. It's very of that time as well, funny enough. Um, it's in like the big, bold, uh, that kind of lettering, I should say, that kind of background. It's very of that, yeah. that time. It's um, fine. It's, but yeah, I don't know. It's nothing. It doesn't say anything. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, compared to like the next album, I mean... <laughs> That's assisting chapel. Exactly. Um, so let's let's move on to that. Let's take a break and then we're gonna get into the next album, Boy King. Dan, who would you consider the boy king of our time? Justin Bieber? I don't know, who would be boy king? <laughs> Oh dear. Um, uh, Prince Harry. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because we're talking about titles, but I think like Boy King sounds like Boinking now, doesn't it? <laughs> I was literally about to say that. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think about I've never yeah. ever thought thought that because I never had to really say it out loud before. But um, 
yeah, maybe that maybe they're doing that on purpose. Maybe it's another like sexual innuendo there. Um, but yeah, Boy King feels a bit more like there's a bit more behind it because um, it's again playing with uh, masculinity and what makes. And I think this is something throughout this whole album, right? Which is like what it is to like be a man. You know, yeah. you think of a king and it's someone who's in charge um, and all this stuff, but essentially they're a boy. They're like they're immature. Um, like, yeah. You know, whatever. It seems like quite a direct statement of what this yeah. album's about. And, that, and the, the lyrics, this is one where some of the lyrics came through and they're, they're all quite direct as well um, in yeah. quite an artless way. Yeah, well, Hayden had said apparently that um, this was the album they'd always, uh, they became the band that they didn't want to become, basically, in terms of like with this album and like trying to be a bit more like macho, which they hadn't done before. I don't really know if it really feel that macho to me, but um, uh, yeah, but that's what he was kind of coming out and saying in interviews. And it was like, okay, I don't, I think he, he might be giving himself a bit too much credit there, but still my opinion. Um, so yeah, Boy King. So it's, uh, this is 2016 now. This is their last studio album. Um, and you'd be interested to know, Dan, actually, that it was produced by John Congleton, who had produced Swans. Yeah, I recognize that name. Yeah. Uh, and St. Vincent as well for any St. Vincent fans. Um, and yeah, the cover of this one is a bit interesting, isn't it? It's like the, uh, it's like the big robot from that queen and like the opera or whatever. Um, he's looking up and they've gone all like 80s and the Wild Beast logo I, is like super like synthwave 80s. Yeah. It's a very, very weird design, a very weird direction for them to kind of go in. Um, and I suppose they're trying to be bold and make a statement and it's all like thick, big, like colours, lettering and just like really in your face. It's just too much though, isn't it? I mean, they're just totally wearing it all on their sleeve, literally the sleeve of the album of like, this is the sound we've gone for um, that we've not even developed, but we just kind of like wholesale stolen it. And we really want you to know that this is like a heavily vaporwave influenced synth album. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just so it's, brash. It's annoying because it's like, I remember when this came out and I feel like this is, obviously they've been doing this over time but like i was like this is just a massive hop leap skip jump whatever away from like two dancers which for me was a very like um i don't know like uh simple elegant kind of sound and now this is just like like someone's just slapped a massive dong in front of you and then like actually we're doing uh, this now and you're like oh, i quite i quite like this like beautiful beautiful fragility like of the, and it's like, no, here we go. We've got, you, we've got some synths up. We're making some big, thick fucking cock noise. You like sucking on the long, slender, delicate <laughs> cock of two dancers. And then, <laughs> and then this sort of like electro dildo was shoved in your mouth. Exactly. Electro dildo. Boring. Yeah, I was not prepared for it. Who is really, though? Um Oh God! I mean, Dan, talk me through it. Like, what what are you thinking with this album? What what kind of stands out for you? What's good? What's bad? Um, okay, well, I mean, overall, like you said, it's that synth sounds come on so strong, um, and it's just so in your face. Um, which again, you know, because to me, I've listened to all these albums back to back in quite a short period of time. It is a sound that I kind of like, so it made me take notice, and I kind of enjoyed. 
that. But at the end of it, I thought, you know, actually, when you compare this to the slew of other artists and records in the genre, it's actually really poorly handled. Um, there aren't really, to me, that many interesting songs. Um, there was one thing I heard, though, that I, I thought was quite good. Um, was it I don't a, know if was you it know. A fart? <laughs> yeah, right to the end. But you did. track. It's just. <laughs> oh, if I farted, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, it was the track Boy King Trash. Are you familiar right. with that? It's yeah. a bonus thing, um, and it's on Spotify. And it's quite an interesting concept, actually. I think they've taken kind of like some of the stuff that you would stick on uh, B-sides and all this. It seems to be like some demos and things. And they just shoved it all together as one 20-plus minute song. Yeah, so let um, me let me, let me uh, give you my thoughts on that. That is, someone has basically swept up all the shitty ideas that they came or had um, all these little bits and pieces and whatever... And they just stuck it on a track and I was, I really hated it. <laughs> but within that track, there are some, like I heard some demos where it's obviously actually the band, you know, yeah. playing their instruments. Um, and it recalled to me the sound of the first album. And I thought, imagine if they'd just yeah, done this without all these like over the top synths and all this. Um, maybe there would have been a, a good album in here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, it's just, it's weird because it's like, I don't really know what spurred them to kind of go in this direction. Like, why do it? And I suppose that might have been what led to the actual eventual breakup, which is probably like, maybe they just got burnt out. Um, or they just got bored of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're already starting to look at doing solo stuff by this point, probably, if not already. Um, and yeah, maybe this was like them trying to like, add some zest into their, you know, creative endeavours or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, yeah. let's try it. We're getting bored of doing what we're doing. Let's try something new. Let's just throw something out there. Yeah. And and then maybe that didn't work and they were like, you know what, actually, let's just give up. We'll just do other stuff now. Like, that's it. Fuck it. Like, rather than like, let's keep going and keep trying. Yeah. I think they made the right decision to be like, yeah, let's draw a line under this and call it a day before it, we really mess our band up for good. Let's just... Uh, you know, yeah, keep some integrity with it. Um, I can imagine it, this being divisive as well within the band. Mm, I bet yeah. it was. And this was the first one that, that really received mediocre reviews. Yeah, so maybe that as well was a bit of a death knell. I think. Well, yeah, maybe now's I think time so. to I think, no, exactly. I think they were like, "Let's give it a try. See how we do." Didn't work. Fine. No, that was it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the whole thing, like it's weird because it's just so overly produced as well. And especially like his vocals, they lose like the one compelling thing. Well, not the one compelling thing, but part of the compelling thing about it was that it felt like quite natural and, uh, and I keep using the word raw, but it was, it did kind of feel like that, um, that there was something, you know, authentic behind it. And mm. uh, when it's got this production over the top of it, it just loses that edge completely. Um, yeah. And I know you were saying before, like it kind of, you feel like it's kind of losing its edge more and more as it goes on. And it's, it's very apparent here that, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just way, way, way too overproduced, but uh, in my opinion, um, uh, and it all were there any songs dated. That you um, <sighs> yeah, it's dated quickly. 
I mean, we're four years know, removed, I mean, a, and it sounds dated a, to me. Yeah, exactly. It, it does sound dated. I mean, like, so there's a few tracks that I think are okay. Um, to be you is okay. Ponytail is okay. Um, Eat your heart out, Adonis is okay. And that's kind of it. Did you like any of those? Uh, I can't really remember them. Again, it all just came became a bit of a swirl to me. This album, mm. they all yeah. s- sounded quite. It was all quite samey again. Mm. Yeah, I mean, let's have a listen to Two Be You anyway, just for the guys to kind of hear what we're kind of talking about. Dream something and make it real. Bring me my mind. Bring me my steel. I mean, just going through some of the tracks, like Big Cat. I mean, what a fucking shit name for a start. All these names are shit. Um, it's, a t- it's a terrible opener. Tough guy, <laughs> awful, dated, alpha oh. female. Oh, so okay. thin. It's not even much of a song there. There's some stuff towards the end of the track, which is okay, but yeah. Get My Bang was, um, I think that was released, the, it might have been the day of or just before this album was out. <clears throat> I don't even know if it was released as a single or just like, you know, like a, teaser track or something that they released before but um yeah. didn't like that and that did i think that was the biggest hit from this album if you want to say that um but i hated it uh like the whole thing just generally sounds it sounds a bit like confused it's just lacking focus and like they haven't really grasped what they want to do like electronically it's just it's weird like ponytail again feels like they're kind of playing around with this with the synths than actually knowing what they're doing um and then you've got that 20 minute just shit at the end, which is just like just some stuff that they haven't even decided to like, feels like they haven't even decided to curate properly or filter through. Just a mishmash of stuff that they're like, oh, we don't know what to do with this. Fuck it. Just stick it on one big track. And, you know, oh, what boy king trash. Yeah. Um, just the whole thing. That's what I mean. And when I talk about like lacking focus, less considered, the fact that that track exists it's like kind of proof that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, basically. These tracks it's, just kind of appeared. It's not on the album, though. It's a bonus thing. Yeah, but I know, but it's like, it's still, and it's the fact that it exists is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, not many bands just like go, well, let's just gather up all our shit and we'll just release it as a track. It's going to be 20 minutes. Yeah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Like, I, you know, I, I, I I quite like that from a uh, conceptual point of view. Something, yeah, something fine. I've seen before. <laughs> fine, but um, what I'm, oh, I'm kind of more trying to say is that it's almost proof that there wasn't. They didn't really go into a studio with the focus idea of like, here are the mm. songs that we're going to do. I might be wrong, but that's just, I don't know, that's what it feels like. Um, so, uh, boinking, boinking, boinking. So, I guess after that, we'll kind of touch upon them. Um, other little bits. They released a uh, EP basically made up of shit from the um, <laughs> Boy King sessions called uh, Punch Drunk and Trembling. Sorry, Punk, Punk. Drunk and Trem- Trembling, um, uh, which had, yeah, which had two B sides. The title song is okay. 
Those, it feels a little bit less boring. It's a little bit more upbeat. And that's mainly because it's not just drowned in synths. Um, last night, all my dreams came true and maze are pretty awful. Um, so yeah, terrible EP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we won't, uh, t- we won't take a break. We'll go straight into the fact that they released a live album called last night, all my dreams came true, which is obviously was just one of the songs we just talked about. Um, and it's all right. It's recorded quite nicely. Um, there's a lot of boiking on it, I think. And apparently this was recorded over two days at London's Rack Studios and features live in the studio versions of uh, their songs. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was kind of seemed to be recorded for some kind of documentary as well that someone was making about, I don't know, Domino Records or something like that. So, um, so even though it's a live album, it's still recorded in the studio as live. So obviously the sound's really good, mm. but it just... It's a bit like, okay, fine. And then that was it. And then the band's final show was uh, Saturday, February the 17th. Um, I haven't got the year. Well, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 2018, I imagine. Um, For some reason, I've got the day, the month, the date, location, (laughs) but not the year. But I think it was 2018, but I might be wrong. But Saturday, February the 17th of some year. Um. Oh, that's that's Wild Beast, Dan. Twenty eighteen, it was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, yeah. I thought so. Just didn't have it written down. <laughs> After all that, um, yeah, yeah. So Wild Beast. Now, I am interested, Dan, in looking back over what we've just discussed. What are your mm. um, what are your thoughts? Well, what are your thoughts on the, on this album compared to the rest of them? Was it, would you say this was the the worst album? Um, probably. Yeah. yeah, I would say that actually. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, You'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone agrees, including me and the press. <laughs> um, so Dan, I guess uh, we should go to our nerds corner. Have you got something ready for this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, here we go. Okay, so welcome oddballs to Dreadful Dandy's Nerds Corner. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun to go into uh, detail, nerdy detail about some specific releases. So I've been scouring the internet. Um, Not just and, the porn. Uh, no. <laughs> Literally <laughs> dueling wild beasts. Um, you get some eye-opening stuff, I can tell you. Um mm. I mean, this band came around at a time when I think the industry was struggling with the idea of physical formats. Um, so the first singles, um, yeah, well, they had the, the singles on Bad Sneaker Records. Um, but then when, when they moved to Domino in 2007, um, at that time, Domino were doing this thing where the singles were primarily download only. Um, but they would do, I suppose, a seven inch for like record collectors and CDs just didn't get a look in. So all of those singles, um, Assembly and I forgot what the other two were from the first album. Um, yeah, Clairvoyance and Devil's Crayon. No. Yeah, thank Devil's you. Crayon. Yeah. Yeah. So they were all seven inch only. So they're quite cool. Um, CD promos were produced, um, which are probably quite nice to have if you're a collector. Um, 
but yeah, like vinyl wise as well, 2008, uh, it was just sort of coming, coming back. So, and cause they're on Domino, all their albums have been released on, on vinyl. Um, and they're not that hard to get hold of. So they're not that valuable. Um, they've done a few kind of nice releases. Um, for some reason they decided to experiment, uh, Domino again, um, in 2011 with the reach a bit further single. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is actually quite a nice, uh, 12 inch EP, which was pressed to tricolor. So it's got like three, uh, bands, blue, red, and purple. Nice. Um, and that's probably quite a nice record to have because they've gathered up, um, thinking back to what you said about the, uh, B-sides from the album, I think they've gathered, gathered them all up on that EP. So you get Reach a Bit Further, mm-hmm. uh, Thankless Thing, Catherine Wheel, and the uh, track Smother. Nice. So that's pretty nice. I think if you're a fan, I definitely want to get my hands on one of those. Mm. Um, and then really, there's not that much that's too interesting. I was quite uh, curious about the um, UK uh, LP of Boy King. Um because Why? some of those came with a, come, some of them came with a bonus seven inch, mm-hmm. um, which had those two songs that you said are terrible. Last night, all my dreams came true in maze. Mm-hmm. But in the UK, there's an edition that came with an extra CD called Boy King Negatives. Have you heard of that? No. What's that? I couldn't find any information about it yeah. um, or anything to listen to. And it's got four songs and they're just called minus one, minus two, minus three, and minus four. Mm. So cryptic stuff like that, I really like. Um, I think I saw someone suggesting that they're alternate versions or maybe demo versions. Um, so again, if you liked that album, that's probably well worth tracking down. Um, but it only comes with the UK limited edition LP. Well, no um, one's going to have that anymore. I think it's yeah. <laughs> Uh, the final thing that I thought was quite cool, that uh, single, Punk, Drunk and Trembling. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably right at the end of their career, November 2017. Um, that was primarily digital, I think. But they did press just 300 copies um, of that with Last Night All My Dreams Came True and Maze on the B-side mm. uh, as a 10-inch, really leery neon yellow vinyl. That's cool. um, that, that is quite cool and that's quite uh, expensive actually because there's only 300 that's a little tricky to get hold of yeah there might be some of those early demos uh, that they probably self-produced and self-manufactured floating around if you're lucky enough to come by one of them yeah I'm, in, I'm intrigued in like what they actually sounded like if it was still in the um, same vein of Limbo Panto or yeah, or whether, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that maybe it was a case of all that stuff that kind of they did afterwards on Two Dances, etc. Maybe that was kind of how they started and then they went Libo Panto way or something. I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear. Well, there's a CD uh, someone's logged on Discogs from 2004. It's just a CDR in a handmade kind of digipack card sleeve. Mm. Um, and I mean, God knows how many copies there are. But that would be quite cool. It's got three songs on it. Uh, Mummy's Boy, mm-hmm. For Those Faint at Heart, and Mario yeah. Marks. Um, 
And it's quite cool, actually, because whoever's got this copy, probably someone in the music industry has put a scan of uh, the letter that they received right. with it. It's like handwritten in green crayon on a piece of like lined paper. But they've gone into detail of like these three songs, live recording through a condenser mic, live recording onto eight track. It really just looks like something, you know, like one of us would have produced. Really a, basic. A, a band practice, yeah. Just through like your little mini disc microphone or something. So yeah. um, those would be interesting to yeah, well, Mummy's Boy is one of the B-sides to um, the Clairvoyance single, um, but I imagine it would be a early version thereof. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Right, thanks for that, Dan. Um, and now, because I did it last week, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's time for the final impression. And now... <laughs> And now you have to give your final impression of, of Wild Beast, especially since, because I made it quite clear how I feel about it anyway. So give me your final impression of Wild Beast. But can, can you do it? I'll give you an easy one as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> they came. They did nothing very important. <laughs> The worst they action left. trailer. It's like they, a trailer for the worst action movie already. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on. They came. Start again. Start again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like porn. They came. They did nothing important. They made no impact and they left no legacy. Um, and now they've all gone on to seemingly uh, very boring, mediocre and unsuccessful solo careers. So Fuck it's it almost hell. as if they never existed. Fucking hell, that's real. You really went for, went for the fucking jugular on that one. <laughs> I guess like, yeah, that's the, that's the weird thing. They so won't like, be back. Just... <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. I guess the, um, yeah, the main, the, what, I guess what's weird is that I always considered them like a popular band, a popular British indie band that were doing well. And when you look at the stats and you look at the numbers, um, they're, they're, they weren't particularly popular. Like Boykin got to number nine, which is, sounds great, right? But these days it's not particularly amazing to get into like, you don't have to do too much. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people were disappointed by that. And that's the best that they did. Um, and like even two dancers, I don't think two dancers sold well at all, even after the Mercury prize. Um, so yeah, there's part of me which just thinks maybe it was quite like empty. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it was more hype than actual, you know, people out there buying the stuff apart from like people like me, I guess. Yeah, a bit of buzz and I suppose only time will tell. Um, you know, maybe there'll be a resurgence. I, I, do, I do expect that their solo endeavours will be unsuccessful and that probably in the next five years they'll look to get back together. Yeah, well, they've they've mentioned that. They're saying, like, we're not going to get back together, basically. Like, they've basically kind of 
I mean, like, who knows what happens at any point, but um, by the sounds of it, they're very much like they've drawn a line under it. So they're not just taking like a break, an indefinite break or something like that. Or, and I think they specifically said it's not something we'll return to 10 years later. Like, that's it, we're done. But as you said, let's see <laughs> how that kind of pans out. My um, talks. Yeah, well, exactly. And to be fair, like Hayden's solo um, endeavor um, has, did okay. Didn't do great. Oh, really? But um, yeah, there, it's very, his latest album um, from the stuff I've heard is, it's, it, but it's basically him and a piano, pretty much. Um, I watched his two uh, singles, the videos on YouTube. Mm. Um, so yeah, I did. I saw is is just. I thought he's just taken the next step of just stripping away everything now. So it's really just it's just the the falsetto voice mm. um, with none of those kind of kookier affectations. And like you said, it's just piano balladry. Um, quite bloated and pompous sounding and like really unbelievably cliched videos. It's like one where it's like he's playing the piano in the woods and there's all this like big lights and stuff and it's all like earthy. Mm. And then the other one, like the next logical step, oh, let's put him in like an old rowing boat by the by the shore. Um, so I just thought this is really, really, really become, he's like David Gray. David Gray for the 2020s. Yeah. There were loads of people commenting on that. Oh my God, I can't believe, I didn't realise Wild Beasts have split up. Ah! And uh, I must confess to feeling a degree of satisfaction at their woe, <laughs> similar to that which I felt in the mid-90s, despite uh, directed to the teenage girls that were weeping when Take That disbanded. Yeah, it's a little bit less um, impactful. <laughs> unfortunately did you see that thing this is going off on a tangent but whatever did you see that thing on Kasabian this week last week no so I did not Kasabian have split up right First, firstly the breaking news the fact that it's made the news at all Kasabian has split up right who gives a fuck anyway Kasabian <laughs> were like I actually really liked them before their first album came out I saw them I thought, this is like one of those things I was there when but I saw them at Reading Festival. They were like second on on a fucking Saturday or something. And yeah. there was and a main main stage, but second on. And there must have been about 30 people watching them. Um, and I was like, this is really good. Like I'd, I'd heard some of their bits and pieces or whatever from before. Maybe I'd seen them on a tour or whatever, supporting them ever. Um, and then they hit it massive. And that first album was like properly released and all that stuff. Great. After that, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. They they did their thing and they're pretty big and whatever, and they whatever, fine. So, but I'm like, the fact that if they've broken up, it makes the news is weird. Firstly, secondly, it, it the main guy, I think his name's like Tom. Actually, funny enough, I can't remember his name. Was all like, oh yeah, um, yeah, but don't worry, like you know, I'm taking a break to deal with some stuff, um, but it doesn't mean it's the end of Kasabian, whatever. Cut to the next day when Sergei's mate, the guitarist who writes the songs and like the rest of the band are like, no, we kicked him out because he, he is currently on trial for beating his uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever in front of their kid and all this stuff. Cause he got pissed up and drugged up or whatever. Um, and then it was like, this isn't like a thing. This isn't, they were like going, it's, isn't like a, 
he's leaving the band to work on himself stuff. He was kicked out because he is a domestic abuser. Um, he's literally a wife beater and we kicked him out. So yeah, he'd given this whole like thing of like, yeah, you know, I've just got to sort of my bits and like, it's as if like, it's all like nicey, nicey kind of stuff. And then yeah. it's like, oh, you sort yourself out, you do you. And like fans are all like, yeah, okay, you know, we understand, get better soon kind of thing. And it's like, no, he beat the shit out of his fucking wife. And he's so that's in court what's and he's going down for it. But that, but that didn't make the news until the day after. Uh, until yeah. the band came out and said, yeah, no, apparently the, the reason why they didn't say it immediately, immediately was because um, the trial hadn't ended or whatever. So uh, he hadn't actually uh, been sentenced yet until like uh, that day. Uh, so obviously they had preempted that he was going down or whatever. And then about that. But, um, Good riddance. Yeah, but that's like, it was just quite funny. It was like the end of Kasabian. Like, oh, it's made the news. And I was thinking, oh, whatever. And then I was like, when it came the next day, I was like, oh, now this is actually newsworthy because he's not fessed up to what he's actually done. Um, and it turns out he's a fucking prick and he just wanted all the fans to keep like loving and adoring him or whatever. Yeah. Bullshit like that. Anyway, Kasabian. Um, who are around and more popular than Marbees. So at the same time. Um so yeah, I guess like we um we've had mixed mixed feelings on it, but there are other people who also have their own mixed feelings on it. So let's have a listen. Um or I'll read out basically what they said. Are you ready? Oh great, yeah, I love this. <laughs> So this comes from Pure Cold Bath under um, under this title of Terribly Misguided. This is a startlingly indifferent record from Wild Beast, contrasting, sorry, in context, this is for Boy King. I just took reviews of Boy King. Um, contrasting markedly with the absorbing intricacies and evocative minimalism of previous albums. Very verbose, this one. Spare and repetitious synth predominates, delivering a generic club sound somewhere alarmingly between Savage Garden and a Prince backing track. (laughs) A similarly broad approach has been taken with the lyrics, which are merely a series of simple refrains, again, a long way from past work. There is no by the milky light of the mighty moon or blouses and trousers make excellent sheets down dimly lit streets here. Disappointment, in honestly, uh, keeps rolling in as the record progresses. The rich and compelling vocal interplay between the two singers, which characterise records up to present tense, is largely absent. And there is a total lack of variety, Nothing that has a beautiful sweep of loop the loop, the gravity of a dog's life, the humour of all the king's men, the atmosphere of Albatross. Boy King truly feels like a swerve in utterly the wrong direction, abandoning everything that marked the band out as worth following. I think it's um, pretty on the nose. There. I think that's, yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Hats off to him. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. Uh, another one from NDV, a huge disappointment, it's going to two stars. Until now, I regarded Wild Beast as one of the most original bands in today's music scene. Needless to say, I was looking forward to their new album after the magnificent present tense. Alas, songwriting and production come nowhere near their previous work. I don't mind bands stepping into a new direction, but this album makes the band sound a mini- like a million other bands. Read banal, and I don't see the point in that. Also true. Also true. Wow. It is true. Now let's hear some of the um, positive, positive reviews. Uh, Jessica White, yeah. She gave it five stars. Title, great CD. And she says... Great. Great CD. Oh. <laughs> G-R-E-A-T. Love the tracks. Arrived sealed in plastic film and faster <laughs> than stated. 
Five, five stars. Physically yeah. a great CD is what she's talking about there. <laughs> Literally a great CD. That's important if you're going to invest in a physical format. Yeah. And then this is L Simp. Again, gave it five stars. Um, and he's titled it five stars. And it is, he says here, not their best, but you know, it's still Wild Beasts. So he's giving it five Thanks stars. Thanks for that. Just for that. Good to confirm that it is uh, indeed Wild Beasts. Oh, it's that whole thing of like, you know, well, they're, you know, everything they do is great, right? So you have to give it five stars. Not the case. Stop being a shape. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's basically it. I've got another one for you. Oh, go on. Yeah. uh, Hooting and howling, question mark. More like pooping and scowling. Mm, Who said that? Uh, That's me. That's my one off the top of my head. (laughs) Because listening to this band's oeuvre, it's been like uh, passing a a particularly uh, solid and stubborn stool. Oh. No. Don't want any of that, do you? Don't want that. That's, that doesn't uh, sound nice. It wasn't what? that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, For me, I, you know, I enjoyed that first album. I'm willing to accept that maybe two dancers uh, could be good. Mm. Willing to accept, that's all I ask. Um, <laughs> consensual. Um, <laughs> what about you? What's your, what, you know, what's your feeling uh, on their career? And um, um, the 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 must listens, the essential ooh. wild beast tracks. Oh, that's good. What a good question. Um, I just yeah. I mean, that first album for me was just like weird. Like, what was that? That was a thing. I don't even like consider it. <laughs> it's part of their <laughs> it's part of their discography. I'm just like, oh, they you know, they just put something together that was weird, and I don't consider it. <laughs> yeah, part of their part of their lineup for some I reason. I reject you. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, I don't want to think about it. I just don't listen to it. Um, yeah, for me, Two Dancers was their first proper album, then whatever, and um, that's still my favourite. Uh, yeah, Hooting Howling is good, but I think um, yeah, we still got the Taste Dancing on Our Tongues is probably I'd have to say my favourite from that. Um, Smother I like, as I've said. Um, I won't go through this all obviously again. Um, and yeah, Bed of Nails, Loop the Loop, Reach a Bit Further, some great tracks from that. Um, but yeah, just each consecutive album, there are less and less to choose from. And then that's when Boy King, there is literally not one song that um, I actually like, which is a shame. And Present Tense was kind of like the beginning of the end, really. But um, yeah, Daughters and A Simple Beautiful Truth, a couple of the key tracks from there. Um, and then yeah, Boy King is fuck all. So um, <laughs> that's uh, it. So you can kind of see like how it's uh, it's just it's, it's weird. It's like a lot of the songs just feel like they didn't just take enough care of them or something, or they just there was just maybe it's just like a lack of focus that maybe they had at the beginning, and they just didn't know what they were doing by the end of it or got distracted or just got bored of it. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's an age old story, isn't it? For a lot of bands. I imagine um, there's an element of being jaded as well. Cause it's like, and this is what I'm kind of saying about, I thought, I thought they were more popular. There's probably an element where if you're not, if you're like a rock star or whatever, not that they are, you think you would attract some kind of money. You would get a certain amount of cash for doing it. And 
I just don't think they reached that level. And I would imagine after a while, it gets a bit demoralizing, especially when you probably didn't get much for your last album. Average number nine in the charts and it got slated and you're just like, I'm not, I feel like I'm not even getting paid properly. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a success. It's not financially successful. And yet you're giving, giving it your all and you probably don't have that enthusiasm that you once started out with. And yet people would say that you've made it. Like I would have said they've, Right. Like they're, they're not, they're, you know, enemy darlings as well. You know, it's yeah. not like they're unknown or anything like that. Um, yeah. And after 12 years or whatever it was, well, they started, what did I say? They started in 2002 or something. Two. Yeah. So that's like 20 years ago, you know, and they yeah. just start, so you think like whatever, 18, 17, 18 years they've been doing it. And it's probably like, you know, right. Well, I'm still living in my tiny flat in London. Um, all right, I've toured the world, I've done all this cool stuff, but, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> time to move on. Yeah. If uh, people enjoyed Wild Beasts, who else would you recommend to them? It's oh, a good question. Nothing. Um, I would say, like, if you, it depends what you like about them. So, like, I think, as we were talking about at the beginning, Anthony and the Johnsons, that falsetto thing. If you're like, Oh, I haven't heard this before. I'd like to hear more of that. As we said, Anthony Johnson's do it better. Um, but it's a different kind of sound very much. So, um, and I, I don't really know like what was kind of happening in, in those, like that <laughs> first album, like it sounds a little bit like, I don't know. I want to say like the first mystery jets album or something, but mystery jets were a lot better. Um, I don't know that. Yeah. Um, that kind of like cacophony of like party kind of sound or whatever. Um, but there's like for a me, million times better hooks, but um, yeah, I don't know. For me, for that one, it was, yeah, of, of Montreal, I think, uh, worth checking out. Well, maybe Tiger Lilies. Um, and do you know Perfume Genius? No. From the last few years. it's that It's got that, that aching melodrama that's slightly kind of um, uh, pretentious. But knowingly so. So I, th- I thought, yeah, that's uh, a, a current act that you can uh, give a listen to. After that, though, it was just kind of like, who were the other bands around at the time? I thought The National. Yeah. Some of it reminded me of that. Yeah. I think they kind of wanted to be a bit like, I don't know, like a Arcade Fiery or something. I've, I don't really yeah. know. Um. I want to say like editors just because of like Tom's voice as well. And, but it's not, it's nothing like it again. Like editors went fucking shit after the first album anyway, as well. God, it's just, I don't, I can't really think of any bands. They started out wanting to sound like Arcade Fire and they ended up sounding like the backing track from a discarded Prince song. It sounded like a dumpster fire instead. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, that's, that's that, I think. And, uh, yeah, so I think let's, um, go through, uh, to our database and choose what we're going to do next week's episode on. Um, cool. Danny, are you ready? I'm primed, pumped and ready to roll. Okay. Here we go. Roll the dice. Right, Dan. Next week's episode will be King Gizzard and, and his giant lizard. And what about his wizard? Is he coming along? No. Okay. 
fine. I'll take what I'll take what I can get. King Gizzard, that's good results. That is good. So yeah, so you you'll I'll have to listen to how many albums are there again? Oh, I think they're on about album eighteen or something. Right. So um, I'm gonna sit through eighteen albums <laughs> in preparation for this. <laughs> I'll suggest some key albums to you and uh if people wanna yeah, check out that episode. Um, maybe we can just do a, a, an overview of their whole career and uh, maybe we'll just pick up on a few of the more interesting albums yeah. or it would literally be a 24-hour long show. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, even five at a push with Wild Beast was, yeah, it was a bit much. Um, it was a lot to kind of put in. 18. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd have to breeze through them. It would just be essentially the equivalent of doing an in-depth album thing but um track by track but instead it's just album by album yeah um just listing the album titles yeah yeah well exactly (laughs) well i'll be interested in learning a bit more and i guess you're gonna you're gonna drive this one down how do you feel about that yes yeah because i'm a bit of a a giz head so uh Mm, I'm, i'm a bit of a jizz head but don't google that you don't want to, you don't want to know what that means. Yeah, sorry. Uh, d- <laughs> what's that? Nothing. Oh, sorry. I thought you were uh, taking the mick out of my jizz head status or something. It's not cool. It's uh, it's not the thing to be. You, you know, at the end of the show, you'll be a fully inducted King Gizzard fan. Um, as will anyone who chooses to listen. To the next episode of Oddcast. Mm, true. Right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. And yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us on the Oddcast, guys. We're part of a New Winter group. So head on over to newwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash newwinter to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at a new winter. So, see you next time on The Oddcast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.